Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Celebrate Good Times Week 3. You know what this means. Celebrate good times. Come on. Boo do 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 do. Wahoo! Oh. Okay. Um, so we're doing uh, Celebrate Good Times. It is week three. We covered in the preface the fact that every cel- celebration has the ability to become a failabration. And, uh, and what we can do to stop that from happening is let stuff go. Because if we hang on to stuff, then it doesn't matter if the person that we've got stuff with is even at the celebration, that holding on to stuff will taint and tincture every single gathering that we have because we just feel it on the inside. So the best thing we can do is just to let stuff go. And I encourage you that to make it a habit around communion, we do communion here once a month, usually the first Sunday of every month. And I would encourage you that every time you take communion, just to remember how much God has had to let stuff go with you, and then allow that to cause you to let stuff go with others. And so um, let stuff go. That was the first week. Then the second week, uh, Daz preached and he talked about um, that every celebration needs an invitation. Without an invitation, there can't be a celebration. And so he talked about the credibility that we have, the, um, oh, the word that starts with P, the, uh, no, the closeness, proximity. Another word completely irrelevant came into my head, so I didn't want to say it. Um, uh, the proximity that we have and, um, and so how, how we all have the ability to have an invitation and to make sure that particularly at this time of year, when really people are primed for an invitation, that we ensure that we're giving that invitation. And then last week we talked about the smells of a celebration. We talked specifically about Simon the Pharisaical leper or the leprous Pharisee's house and how he, um, he had this whole gathering going on and, and how there was the smell of judgment. There was the smell of you don't belong. There was the smell of stinginess and they were all foul smells. But then in walked a woman who permeated the whole environment with the smell of extravagance and, and there was Jesus with the smell of grace and and change the whole celebration just because of the smells that they brought. So this morning we can't uh, we can't do talk about celebrations and not talk about the nativity. We have to uh, we have to be Jesus birthday like this time of year we have to talk about that celebration. And um and you know I love I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas junkie as you all know. And so I was looking for a nativity scene for our house. You know it's a lot harder actually here than it is for um America, in America, when I was there, they had uh, nativity um, decorations everywhere. I couldn't find many here at all. And our nativity advent calendar broke last year. So I did find one. And this is it. Um, Nativity babushka dolls that are at our front entrance. They're little tiny ones, not as seen on the screen. And uh, I was like, okay, well, that's kind of, that's okay. I mean... Like, I don't understand why baby Jesus is only slightly smaller than the donkey, but I guess they can't really make it to scale when they're babushka dolls. And I thought, like, I'm, I'm relatively happy with that. I'm not so happy until I realized, just look at that wise man there. Now, as you turn that babushka doll, that wise man's on the other side. And then that wise man, like, there's three wise men on the one babushka doll. I'm sorry, but someone is a genius. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, well, that's a little bit better. Couldn't really find anything. So I went looking for a nativity scene. And I found this one and I was like, yes, that is what I had in mind. That is beautiful. Um, the willow tree dolls, I don't know if anyone knows those ones. They're just stunning. Problem is they're $100 million. And uh, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I could just build up the nativity scene 
Daz could maybe get me one every year in my stocking every year. Um, as we're married for the next 50 years, we could build this scene up. Maybe, maybe that would happen. And, uh, and so, um, but I was looking at this nativity scene and, and I thought, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I see the biblical nativity scene. It's like this beautiful scene going on. You've got your, you've got your camel over here and, and uh, you know, from the wise men, you've got your shepherds and a few shepherd, female shepherds, which probably wasn't the case, but you know what, it's beautiful, so who cares? You've got your angels singing over Jesus at the stable and you've got Joseph and you've got Mary and, and you've got this little chick. I'm not quite sure who she is, but she looks really nice. And, and then you've got the wise men, the three wise men bringing their gifts. It's all fantastic. So, so I was like, this is what I want. This is the biblical nativity. Um, but isn't it actually not really the biblical nativity at all? Uh, and it's so funny how the memories of our childhood and the way that Hollywood informs us and, and even Renaissance art gives us such a picture of things from the Bible that we don't even realize how much we've taken it on. I remember someone went and saw the movie Noah and they came to me and said, Bron, I had no idea that Noah was so awful and so angry. I was like, did, did the rock monsters not give you a clue that it's the movie and not a biblical account? Um, if you've seen Noah, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and someone had a stand-up argument with me once about how Mary Magdalene was the woman that Jesus found in the dirt, the adulterous woman who he saved from the men killing her in the Bible. And, and she's like, that was Mary Magdalene. I was like, where, where are you? getting that from and and she's like it's it's in the bible I'm like whereabouts and she said I saw it on the passion of the Christ okay that's a movie and uh and so that was great and um so it informs what we see I'm going to go to the passages of the bible that actually tell us what the biblical account is and it's all we've got on this nativity scene it's all we have and so we'll go to Luke chapter 2 this morning, and it says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, newborn son. She wrapped him in snu- uh, s- sorry, in snugly. She wrapped him snugly. Wow, that's the NLT. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. It's funny that they don't mention the angry innkeeper or the sympathetic remorseful innkeeper, depending on which Hollywood version you've seen. That's because the Bible makes no mention of an innkeeper. And actually, this word here, lodging available for them, uh, or as we know it to be, no room at the inn, the word room is the Greek word topos, which means space, and the room, uh, the word at inn is actually kalamuta, not to be confused with kalamata, that's the olives, but kalamuta, that means in the room. So there was no space for them in the room. No space for them in the room. So she laid him in a manger. Now, later on in the Good Samaritan story, the Bible tells us the word in where the Good Samaritan puts the man up at an inn and it's a completely different word. So when it says no space for them at the inn, we remember that Joseph and Mary had to go back to Bethlehem because a census was being taken. And what they did back then was stay with their relatives. It's the same thing that we often try to do now, stay with our relatives. And so they went back and stayed with Joseph's family, no doubt, but there was no room for them. There's no space for them in the room for her to give birth to the baby. And that word room is the same word that for the upper room later on in the New Testament. So it's this upper room. There's no space for her to give birth to the baby because everyone's gathered there in the upper room. So she had to go down somewhere else and lay him in a manger. And manger is simply the word to eat. And, uh, if you know your French, je mange, tu manges, il mange. 
vous mangez, nous mangeons. And uh, just really bragging there, telling you that I know a bit of French. I know how to say I eat in French. Um, and so there it is. And, and, and it's where the animals ate from. And we get this picture of all these animals surrounded the trough, but it could simply be, you know, just one trough for one animal that was kept in the kitchen, kept inside. So we don't, we don't know. We, we don't have the full picture, but we have this full picture from our mind's eye, from our childhood stories. And there is Jesus lying in a manger. Uh, there's no singing, actually. Isn't that crazy? Um, let's keep going. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And as you would be, they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, if there was a star above the stable, if there was a stable, then wouldn't they say, go to where you see the big thumping star? But they haven't because the wise men perhaps were still following the star elsewhere at this time. So they have to go to where the baby's wrapped in snuggly strips. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest, oh, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven, a peace on earth to those who with whom God is pleased. So uh, our glory to God, they didn't sing it. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. And then our only other account is found in Matthew chapter 2. And it says, after this interview, this is uh, after the wise men had seen King Herod. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the entered the house. Wow! And saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So no kings, they're men, not three. We don't know how many, just that they had three gifts. And I know that a lot of you know that. What it also doesn't mention was a drummer boy, and that might be a shock to some of you, but. It's a carol, and I'm telling you, I've had three children. Anyone comes near my newborn with a drum, I'm sending that kid on its way. I don't care what he wants to offer him. Um, <laughs> so so if, if we can't take what we want to from the story, because that's how we know it, then then what, do, what can we take from this celebration this morning? Well, what I want us to look at is the fact that everyone brought something. To that story that we read, everyone brought something. You know, Mary, she, she brought her all. She gave up essentially in one moment her whole life. And it wasn't, you know, when we make a decision to follow Christ, we declare that we're giving our whole life to Him. 
But doesn't it often take a very long time for that to be outworked and for us to give our whole selves to him? We allow him so far and then we say, no, Jesus, just stop. I need a bit of time. And then he'll come and challenge us a little bit further or we might take some back. We might get off the altar. We might get back on the altar. It continues and continues. Mary, in one decision, said, well, God, I give you my whole life. There was no turning back from this. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you have said. She said, I'm going to bring my everything. Uh, the, Joseph, you know, he brought those qualities which are rarer and rarer these days. He brought stickability. He brought sacrificial love to the situation. He brought a, 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 a manliness that said, Mary, I will lay my life down for you. I will lay my reputation down for you. You know, in John chapter 8, the Pharisees are challenging Jesus. And they say to him, it's in the context of a broader conversation about God the Father, but they say to him, Jesus, where's your father? And actually, it's a slight because they all know that Jesus' fatherhood is under question because Mary was a teenage girl who fell pregnant out of wedlock. They'd done the maths and Joseph and Mary were married after or Jesus was born before the nine months. They were essentially saying, Jesus, you're an illegitimate child. And they were challenged. They were, and Joseph knew that that would be the case. He knew that forever after his fathership, his, his, his um, reputation would be questioned. Why would you do that? And, and it, you know, it was not accepted like it is today. The angels, they brought their announcement because every celebration needs an announcement. They brought their announcement and they were excited. And yet they had to go to lowly shepherds to bring it. They didn't care about that. They were just, it's so exciting that we get to bring this announcement. We'll go anywhere to tell about the love of God. And they brought their announcement. If, um, if B, you could just pop up the next slide there, please. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 12. It says, they were told their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who have preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. You see, there's something going on in terms of salvation. This whole passage is about salvation. That the angels are like, what is going on here? How does this work? And it was like that right from the start of the nativity. They said, we'll take this announcement. They're like, we want to watch this thing play out. We want to see what happens. The shepherds, they were terrified, but then they were pumped. And they were so excited and they ran and they gave their worship to Jesus. And then the wise men, they were, they were practical. They brought some gifts. But then they were also, they, there was this other element to it where they had to study, where they had to pack their, whatever they took, camels maybe, and travel a long way. They traversed afar to get there. And so everyone in this scene brought something. And as we think about this this morning, I wonder if you know that you've got something to bring. Do you know this morning that you have something to bring? And let me front load this to start with because we classify what we bring as either spiritual or unspiritual. But that's a relatively new concept. You see, the Jews, everything was spiritual. They're resting, they're Sabbath, they're sleeping, they're working, they're giving, they're providing for their family. It was all counted as spiritual. They didn't separate it out. They didn't delineate it. And yet we do too. But they got this concept that it's all spiritual. They got the concept of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the message, which is on the next slide. Where it says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. So we've got something to bring, 
But we don't need to separate it out. It's all spiritual. And so firstly, we've got something to bring that's tangible. We have something to bring that is tangible. Now let me touch on this just for a moment for you. Right from the start, before the law was even given, Abraham gave to the priest Melchizedek an offering. And he gave that to him as, as his first fruits offering. Even before the law was given, there was this method of honoring God with your first that would sanctify the rest of your giving. And then later on, it was given in the law. Hey guys, make sure that you honor the priests with your teruma. Make sure you honor the house of God with your ma'asa rashon, your tithe to the storehouse. With your, and then make sure that you honor him with your ma'asa shani, which was a self-tithe. Make sure you're putting away 10% of your income to provide for your children's children, to set up the future generations. Hey, I'm not just a God that's about the ministry in my house. No, I'm about you and I want you to prosper and I want you to flourish. And not only that, he said, first month, ma'asa shani, a tithe to yourself. Second month, ma'asa shani, a tithe to yourself. Third month, ma'asa ani, take what you would usually give to yourself and give it to the poor. He, God came up with this concept of look after the ministry, look after the house of God, look after yourself and your children and your children's children and make sure you don't neglect the poor. He's incredible. He's so amazing. And then when Jesus came, Jesus said, hey, hey, you guys, you, you, you make sure the tithe is in order, but you've neglected the greater matters, the greater matters like mercy and justice and faith, he says. And so he says, make sure, he actually says, Jesus says, make sure you keep doing that but don't neglect these greater things. And so Jesus, God came up with this method of supplying the ministry, keeping the temple operational, providing for your children's children and looking after the poor. And we have something to give. What I love about him is he did it as a percentage. He didn't do it as a, an amount that was unobtainable for the poor and was not an even sacrificial for the rich. He said, as it is according to how you've been blessed, so now you bless others. I, I actually get super excited about it. And um, if I can just touch on a practical point for a moment, we're actually headed toward non-service giving, so not giving in service. That part of our service will become no more um, as of about Easter next year. I will still have giving and the opportunity to give, but so much of the percentage of our giving or that you guys give is online now. And so if someone were to watch, not that this is the reason that we're doing it, we never, never tithe. Like your pastors don't tithe. They're stingy. And um, I nearly said stingy cats, but I don't think that's okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, but because we give online. So we're actually going to head to not taking up a giving in service. We'll have um, a container for those who are diehard cash people to be able to give every service. Um, but we're just going to head to that more online basis because that's what most of you do anyway. We have a whole section in the service dedicated to that giving that uh, is not necessary. So tangible you have something to give. But hang on, not just that. You don't just have something to give. You have something to bring. You have something to give and bring to dinner. You have something to bring to dinner. Um, what do I mean by that? It's not rocket science, people. If you go to someone's house for dinner, bring something. And um, actually, I, uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm not good at this and I'm really preaching to myself right now because I often rush from thing to thing. Uh, but um, Marie Boyce came to our house recently for lunch, uh, for dinner rather, and she said, I can't go anywhere without taking something. And I thought, what a way to live. You can't go anywhere without taking something. Imagine if, if as Christians that was our attitude. We have something to bring. So any environment that we go into, we're bringing something. We'll take something. Well, you have something to bring. I love what Mitch um, Wilson sent me recently. 
uh, from his daily bread. It says this, My friend was eager to gather her family and friends for a festive holiday celebration at her home. Each of the guests looked forward to gathering around the table together and wanted to help defray the expense of feeding so many by contributing to the meal. Some would bring bread, others salad or a side dish. For one guest, however, money was exceptionally tight. Although she looked forward to spending the evening with those whom she loved, she couldn't afford to purchase any food. So instead, she offered to clean the host's home as her gift. She would have been welcome at the table had she come empty-handed. Yet she looked at what she did have to offer, her time and skills, and brought them to the gathering with her whole heart. I think that's precisely the spirit of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 8. They had been eager to help some fellow Christians, and he urged them to follow through on that effort. He commended them for their desire and their willingness, saying their motivation to give is what makes a gift of any size or any amount acceptable. We're often quick to compare our giving to that of others, especially when our resources don't afford us the luxury of giving as much as we'd like to. But God views our giving differently. It's our willingness to give that we have that he loves. God loves a cheerful giver. So you have something to give in every environment that you go to. You have something to bring. And then also, so that's a tangible, but also there's this other intangible element it's, uh, I really struggled with a word for it. It's ethereal, it's spiritual, it's mysterious. But to say that about the intangible suggests that it's not true of the tangible, but everything is spiritual. So we'll just call it immaterial. The, the untouchable part of what you bring. See, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he has to give them a bit of a dressing down. And uh, he says to them through 1 Corinthians, he, he has a series of when you meets. When you guys meet together, he says you're greedy. When you meet, you guys separate into factions. When you meet, actually you're out of control. When you meet, you care more about your needs than you do about the needs of the whole. And so he says, that's not okay. And, and, and then he brings some rightness to it. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, he said, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So he's saying you all have something to bring. And it's to be brought for the benefit of the whole, not just the benefit of you. And so when you think about that, you might say, well, I, oh, no, I've got nothing to bring. I Like, tangible, sure, I'll bring what I've got tangibly, but I've got nothing, like, immaterial to bring. There's nothing for me to really bring. And, and I think the problem is that we look at things like perhaps what happens here and compare what we might have to bring with what we see here. We see Chrissy. Where is she? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> skipped out, sang a song, skipped out. Um, but she sings so beautifully, so amazingly. And we go, well, I can't bring anything like that. We hear Sophie's harmonies and think, I can't bring anything like that. I've got nothing to bring up here. So uh, I don't think I've really got anything to bring. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any, mu any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an, were an eye, how would you hear? Couldn't. Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? 
But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Next slide. While the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Sometimes I don't think that necessarily it's someone else saying that what you have to bring doesn't matter. It's a voice in our own heads that says, it's not really, that's not really anything. That's not much. And, and we get this picture in our heads that what we have to offer is not important. If you're not here bringing what you have, then we are missing out. And, and I think that we, even your presence is a present to the body of Christ. You being here, when you're not here, you are missed. The body of Christ is not complete without you. I don't care what you think about yourself. If you think you're the esophagus, I don't even know what an esophagus does. But I bet we'd miss it if we didn't have it. I bet we'd be very unhappy. The esophagus is perhaps like snuffleupagus, rarely seen, but brings much joy every time he's around. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. You see, you see, even in the nativity story, so intrinsic in this story is everyone bringing something that someone wrote the carol, Little Drummer Boy, that, okay, if I'm going to go to the king, I'm going to bring what I've got. What have I got? I don't have much. Well, I'll just tap this drum, hey? And, and you have something to bring. You have something to bring. You have something tangible to bring, but you have something immaterial. There's, there's something of who you are that God has uniquely placed in you to be part of the body. And if anyone says, well, you have disqualified yourself or you have disqualified your own self, then I believe that God would call that back out of you this morning. You know, you might say, well, Bron, I actually have kind of got this. I bring something to every environment I go. I, I, I'm, I don't brag about it, but, but I just do. And, uh, and I actually, like, I know that I've got something to bring. So let me just ask if that's you for a second, like, go you. That's awesome. Well done. You're so much further ahead than so many of us. So well done. Are you still open to the voice of the Holy Spirit to call you, call more out of you? Are you still open to where he might say, hey, you've gotten a bit comfortable there. I want you to stretch in faith a little bit more. Are you you like the wise men who they had to actually completely leave their place of comfort and go to a place of unknown in order to spread the joy and the good news and the generosity to a different place altogether? Are you still open to the Holy Spirit in that way? Because as we look at God, He gave us His best, didn't He? love what Saif said this morning, God with us. He said, you know what you guys need? Me. <laughs> so I'll, I'll come, okay? I'll come all the way down. I will condescend all the way down from heaven to earth and I'll give you my whole self. I'll give you my whole life. And then when he said, I'll go, he said, I'm not really going to go. I'll go physically, Jesus said, but I'm going to leave you with my Holy Spirit in you, marked with a seal so that you can be empowered to live this Christian life and not only live this Christian life, but tell everyone else about the grace and the love and what everything that you've been given. 
He gave His all. And so I wonder if you could really think and believe that you've got something to give this morning. Because I believe that everything would change if you did. Let's come to our feet. Bianca, can you please throw up that picture of the nativity again, the beautiful one that is way too expensive? All the figurines. There it is. Well done. It's, apart from this little one, apart from her, because I don't know who she is, this scene is missing stuff unless those things are there because we're so, we just love it so much. And as far as the body of Christ goes, without what you uniquely have to bring, it's just not quite right. And as you discover what you have to bring, you'll stand straighter. You'll walk into a room differently because you'll realise that God has uniquely gifted you to bring something to whichever room or whichever environment you walk into. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're walking into that room above and not beneath. You can walk with your head held high and saying, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to impart into this room today? It was maybe what my pastor, it was one of the biggest things that he taught me. But you change the spiritual atmosphere of a room when you walk in if you're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's close our eyes. I want us to consider one more thing before we go. Have you received the gift that he gave you, which is the gift of salvation? There's nothing that you can do to earn this gift. You can't buy it. All you can do is rely on him and what he's done to give it to you. What does salvation mean? It means that you're put right with God. It means that that distance that you feel between him and you is made reconciled because of what Jesus Christ did. What did Jesus Christ do? He was in every way fully God. He was without sin. And while we were still sinners, he died for us on the cross. He paid the price that we could never pay. And he said, trust in what I have done for you. And so this morning, if you would like to receive that gift that he gave you, that salvation, it's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What we'll do is we're all going to pray together in a moment, just as a big family. And, um, but if you would like to make that decision this morning, just so that I can come and say hi to you after the service. If you want to make that decision this morning so I know who I'm praying for, will you just raise your hand in the air? Say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive that free gift. Awesome. In the middle. Thank you. You can put your hand back down. Is there anyone else here this morning that says, I want to be made right with God. I want to be in right relationship with Him. I want to have peace for my future. Anyone else here this morning? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making us right with you. We acknowledge there's nothing we could do and we trust in what you've done this morning. Lord, help us to live our lives the way that you would have us live. And Lord, help us to bring our gifts to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.